complementary, holistic, and integrative medicine. There's an old adage. Try it. You'll like it. You're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Kathy Kemper. Dr. Kemper is the Carol J. Guth Chair for Holistic and Integrative Medicine and a professor of pediatrics, public health sciences, family and community medicine at the Wake Forest University School of Medicine in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. She is the founder and chair of the Provisional Section for Complementary Holistic and Integrative Medicine, or CHIM, of the American Academy of Pediatrics and a member of the steering committee of the Consortium of Academic Health Centers for Integrative Medicine. Today, we are discussing practical applications of complementary holistic and integrative medicine in everyday pediatric practice. Hi, Dr. Kemper. Thank you so much for joining us at the Clinician's Roundtable. Hi, Bill. Thank you for having me. I've been practicing pediatrics for over 25 years. And despite my evidence-based, algorithm-driven scientific education, there are just some children's symptoms I can't explain, whose illnesses I can't make better. And I ask myself whether or not another branch of medicine could offer something more. Do you have any thoughts for us? Well, some children are a challenge. But I think expanding our horizons to include a broader range of therapies and therapists with whom to collaborate gives us a better shot at helping more children. I'm located in Chicago, and right now and we're having a pretty big flu season. And the FDA, of course, has come out and said, no cold and cough medicines. What can I offer my patients? What do we know what works that might either shorten the course, or is there any way of preventing the symptoms using if you want to say, quote-unquote, natural remedies? That's a really important question, especially as we're faced with flu epidemics and bird flu and all kinds of things like that. And, of course, as a pediatrician, I recommend the flu shot every year. But this year, that doesn't give 100% protection. It's probably somewhere closer to 50% or even a little bit less than that protection. So basic hygiene, things like hand washing, are very important in minimizing exposure to sick children whenever possible or sick adults whenever possible. There are other things, though, that can help promote a healthy immune system that we may not have paid enough attention to. Things like vitamin D. When does flu season peak? Usually in the winter or early spring when people have been deprived of the sun for a number of months. And so making sure that people have enough vitamin D to promote healthy immune function is really important. Now, do you have to measure the vitamin D level first or... Can you just assume that more is better? Well, it's almost never true that more is better. But for vitamin D, I would say that it's likely that most kids, particularly in Chicago and Boston and Seattle and Minnesota, the northern cities, are not getting enough vitamin D between October and March. That's been very well demonstrated in numerous studies. The vitamin D levels that have been set and that we all memorized in medical school for kids were really set to prevent rickets. And indeed, if kids get 200 to 400 international units of vitamin D during their early childhood years, you can prevent rickets. However, it's become clear in recent years from the research on vitamin D that vitamin D does a lot more than prevent rickets. It's also important in keeping our immune system functioning optimally. And deficiencies are associated with a variety of autoimmune disorders, and they're associated with an increased risk of several kinds of cancer in older adults. And they're associated with an increased risk of some kinds of infectious diseases like influenza. So many people are recommending higher doses in the order of 1,000 to 2,000 international units daily for adults. Smaller doses are probably more reasonable for younger, smaller people. Okay. Other things that you would include in the diet of a child during the flu season or in general to keep up the immune system? I think it's really important that kids have great nutrition, and that means whole grains, fruits and vegetables, beans, legumes, and sources of good protein. 
I think that kids are eating too much fried food, too much fast food, too many simple carbohydrates, and it's really hard on the body to be processing so many of these new-to-nature molecules that are included in processed foods and the kinds of simple carbohydrates and so many omega-6 fatty acids that they really need to have a better balance of nutrient-rich foods in their diet to promote healthy immune function. As long as we're on the subject of diet nutrition, which certainly to a pediatrician is foremost in everything we do, but Dr. Jim Gordon, who is the chair of the White House Commission on Complementary and Alternative Medicine, and heads the Center for Mind-Body Medicine in Washington, D.C., and also you had mentioned Georgetown University. He's on the faculty there, too. They teach a course, Food as Medicine. A great course. I was lucky enough to go to it two years ago, and it's one of the best courses I've ever taken. Have any foods been shown to have medicinal properties? I know, because that's sort of obvious, because they're herbs. But, I mean, what do we need to go to? I, I've got the flu. I've got gastroenteritis. Tell me something I should be eating, Dr. Kemper. I'll tell you a common food that, that pediatricians probably recommend, and that's cranberry juice. Cranberry juice interferes with bacterial adhesion to the urinary epithelium. So, It doesn't kill bacteria. It just interferes with them sticking to places they don't belong. So we often recommend cranberry juice to to encourage reduction of the risk of recurrent UTI. So another thing that's very common and gastroenterologists are increasingly recommending is probiotics to help normalize gut function because we're recognizing we have trillions of bacteria that belong in our gut and it's a good idea to keep a healthy balance of those trillions of bacteria. They outnumber us. We should be friends with them. We should have the ones down there that can help us. Are there particular preparation of probiotics that you like? Would you choose a lactobacillus? Yeah, the ones that have undergone the most testing are the lactobacillus GG. So what I, in my practice, I do recommend Culturel because it's been included in a lot of studies and it's shelf-stable. It doesn't require refrigeration. So it's pretty easy. It's available at Walgreens, so it's it's not overly expensive. And it's a powder or? You can take a capsule twice a day if you're an adult or if you have a toddler and you want to give them probiotics because somebody recommended amoxicillin for an ear infection or something, you can break the capsule open and put it in their applesauce or in their orange juice or something and they'll drink it. And you do that on a regular basis? I know I use it a lot when I have a child with gastroenteritis or a child who's going on to an antibiotic. That's exactly when I use it also. And sometimes for kids who have chronic fatigue or just some of those weird symptoms that, you know, you're kind of like, I'm not sure what's going on here. If they've had a lot of courses of antibiotics, I have to assume that they have wiped out a number of their healthy bacteria and maybe restoring some of their normal beneficial bacteria would be helpful to their overall immune function. I'd like to welcome those who are just joining us at the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and I'm speaking with Dr. Kathy Kemper, and we're discussing practical applications of complementary, holistic, integrative medicine into everyday pediatric practice. We've been discussing about gastrointestinal diseases and use of probiotics. Are there other examples of when you've used it, found it to be useful? I can recommend a couple of other things for gastroenteritis. I was just in a Boy Scout sleepover, and there was a camp out, and there was a boy who had gastroenteritis. And there I was, without any probiotics, without IV fluids, without much of anything, except my handy-dandy C-bands, which I don't travel without. So I pulled out my C-bands and put them on, and I actually also happened to have in my backpack some ginger tea. So I recommend that anybody keep in their first aid kit some C-bands and some candied ginger or ginger tea or something like that, because those have proven over and over again to be useful for nausea and vomiting. And 
The C-bands, because our audience may not be familiar with that, could you explain what those are? They're called C-bands, S-E-A bands, because they're often sold at places where you might go on a boat out into the ocean, like if you're going out to go whale watching or you're going out in Lake Michigan or something. Mm -hmm. And they are sold there to help prevent motion sickness. They are elastic bands that go on your wrist about three finger breadths up from your wrist crease. They have a little plastic button on them that pushes right on acupressure point that's very helpful for nausea. So I assume that that was pretty much for the nausea vomiting part when you said gastroenteritis. Anything work for the diarrhea end? For the diarrhea end, replacing fluid losses and making sure they have enough fiber to kind of absorb the fluid. (laughs) Things with pectin and things with other kinds of fiber are helpful. Attention deficit disorder is another very common pediatric problem. Up to 8 to 10% of children have been estimated to have this disorder. Has the complementary holistic medicine field begun to find answers, to begin to find ways of helping these children short of stimulant medication? Yes, I think there are a number of things that people can do to help promote focus and patience and less impulsivity. One, you know, it has the name attention deficit disorder. I think one of the ways we can help kids is to pay more attention to them. And so when we notice that they're having behavior that we like, we can comment on it and give them positive feedback for their good behavior. Like, I notice you've been quiet for five minutes. That's great. I'm really proud of you. Rather than just paying attention to them when they're doing things we don't like. So finding the positives, focusing on those, and paying attention to the kids and responding to to their needs and wants. Another thing I think is important is nature. I think a lot of our kids these days are suffering from nature deficit disorder and having a little bit more time where they're out running around in the open sky and sunshine and trees and the open air would be really helpful for a lot of kids. A lot of them are also overstimulated and over, perhaps frightened, overwhelmed by TV. Not only the quick pace of what's on TV, but the frightening nature of news, the overwhelming nature of a lot of news that's on, I think is detrimental to kids' mental health. Another thing that TV does is keeps kids up past their bedtime. So we have a lot of kids running around with sleep deficits. So sleep deficit disorder, I believe, is a big contributor to attention deficit disorder. And we know that we give kids stimulant medicine so that they can stay awake and pay attention better. Maybe if they got a good night's sleep, they wouldn't need the stimulants to stay awake and pay attention. When I was doing my fellowship, we had a visiting professor from the American University of Beirut who used to disappear every day after lunch. And after about a month, we said to Osama, where are you going? And he looked at us. He said, home, to siesta. I take a nap. And we all looked at him in disbelief. And he said, you know, other than Western people, every mammal siestas in the afternoon. And, you know, the light went on. So for years now, I've been pushing PTAs and PTOs to tell the schools, you know, everybody ought to have a siesta in the middle of the school day. (laughs) Or at least when your child comes home. But you're right. We walk around sleep deprived. And we think it's normal, just like we think the level of stress we live with is normal. And it's not. And it ends up causing problems, whether it's attention deficit disorder or depression or anxiety or chronic pain. The amount of stress we live with is really killing us. I know you have an interest in meditation. Have you ever used meditation in children with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder? And if so, has it been successful? Yes, but I think you have to be selective about the kinds of meditation practice you use. So kids with ADHD are often movement-oriented people. And so using a kind of movement, whether it's Tai Chi or yoga, is much more effective and fits with their personality usually much better than making them sit and chant something. Yeah, I was really thinking of even sort of the slow, deep breathing and guided imagery, putting themselves into perhaps a relaxed state or a calm state. Yeah, some of those kids do very well with programs available for the computer, such as the Wild Divine, 
biofeedback kind of program or the HeartMath M-Wave or M-Wave PC program that gives them something to do while they're learning to regulate their autonomic nervous system. Some kids also respond very well to something as simple as coffee. I was very interested in ADHD and I thought, well, stimulants, why don't we just use coffee? That's my favorite stimulant. So I looked carefully into the literature about coffee and something really interesting emerged from that. And that was that there were a number of studies that were positive for the effects of coffee on ADHD symptoms, Uh but nearly all of those studies were done outside of the U.S. or done by psychologists in the U.S. Almost every study that showed that coffee wasn't any better than placebo was done by an American MD. I'd like to thank Dr. Kathy Kemper for being our guest, and we've been discussing practical, pediatric, complementary, holistic, and integrative medicine. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions. Please visit us at ReachMD.com and explore our on-demand and podcast features, which allows you access to our entire program library. Until next time, I wish you good day and good health.